0: So we have a new episode of Legends and Leaders, and it's great to have Devo here. You're the founder and CEO of Adventure. You're trying to create um, a new type of platform to make interactive video and interactive video experiences um, more accessible to brands and to um, and to people to create with and content creators, uh, so people can have new types of experiences with content. Uh, while well, on existing traditional platforms, and you uh, co-founded Good Music. Uh, you helped sign uh, John Legend, which has you know impacted the world a lot throughout through his music. I mean, you've just been somebody that's been at the forefront of technology for quite some time. So I'm excited to have you here and to get into your story.
1: Awesome. Happy to be here.
0: Great. So where did your passion for music and, um, and business leadership, like where did that come from? Was it something that you always has as a kid, Devo, you like, Oh, I, I want to be able to go and you know create my own business. Like how did that kind of start?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, um, I, <clears throat> I I wanted to be I wanted to be a stockbroker when I was young and I I, I didn't know what a stockbroker is. I still don't really know what a stockbroker is, but uh, but I knew it was someone that I wore a suit and like would dress nice and that they were paid based on their intelligence, their risk taking and and on their on their own efforts to 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 some extent. And so. um, So I found out later that's called entrepreneurship. And so um, (laughs) that was the interest to me. It just happened to be that music just happened to be the first vertical I got a chance to be uh, uh, involved with. Mm
0: -hmm. So you you were at PwC in strategy and then decided to co-found Good Music. Like how did that shift happen?
1: Yeah, so um, I graduated from Wharton undergrad So I knew I wanted to be involved in business uh, and went to PwC. My first day there, I hated it. I knew I was going to quit. PwC at the time was about 40,000 people in the the company. So it didn't matter. And especially me being young, young in in the company. It didn't matter if I showed up or not, like they would never know. It wouldn't really matter. Um, So I didn't, I actually, when I moved to New York, I lived like a block or two away from, where pwc's offices were and so uh if you weren't assigned to a project uh then you were on on the the beach and so you didn't have to come in you just had to check your email so i didn't go in i think for three three four five months like i wasn't assigned anything and i just didn't work i got paid and i would just try to stay under the the radar and no one knew and no one cared and so that's fun, but it's not fulfilling in that. Like no one even cares if I show up for, for work. So I wanted to do something where I would have more impact. And I got, uh, <clears throat> the day I got assigned to my first project, I quit. And I was, and I already had a job at Venture Architects, which was this VC sort of consulting shop where we help companies raise money. Um, you know, later stage companies raise money, help them with the, get their business strategies together. And so did that. And at the same time, you know, I was DJing for my roommate, DJing little bars in New York. And I started to connect with my cousin who was a producer at that time. This was like, uh, maybe 2000, late 2000, early 2001, um, then the dot com bubble burst there was a lot of um shrapnel like everything just shut down with the internet um and yeah. then September eleventh happened <clears throat> and so anyways the there was a this big economic crush at that time, so all the venture capital money was gone um and and that money is what fed our company and so we had to downsize that, that company. And then just with, um, with September 11th, just even the bigger companies felt that as well. It was a huge impact. So Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, there's all these people losing jobs at these big companies. So all of my friends who worked at these big prestigious companies, they're getting laid off. Me, I worked at a tiny startup. I'm getting laid off. The only person I knew who was killing it was my cousin. My cousin was a producer from Chicago, who had moved to New York and trying to be a rapper. He had dropped out of college. And, but he was starting to kill He started to become a millionaire. And he was doing everything you are not supposed to do. You're going into this creative (laughs) space, dropped out of college. I did everything you're supposed to do. I went to a very fancy Ivy League school. I took the safe route to um, a big company. And and my friends, we all did the same thing. And all of us are trying to figure out, I'm about to move to Houston with my family because there's just no money around here. So, anyways, to make a long story even longer, um, Kanye West was my cousin, is my cousin. But it was that person at that time who was just crushing it, and he's just growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, maybe he knows something I don't. Maybe he's got something figured out that all the rest of us who are just doing what we're told don't quite have it figured out. And so, um, so I start, you know, sh- um, helping Kanye uh, through my Wharton connections. Uh, you know, he wanted to be an artist, didn't have a record deal. Um, the first press articles about just Kanye West as a, as a, as, a, as an individual, I got through my Wharton connections. Um, his booking agent, the number one agent in hip hop at the time, Carol Lewis. Uh, I got him a meeting with Kara Lewis through my Wharton connections and he killed it danced on the, uh, performed on the table, gets the Kara Lewis deal. And we start to move. So that was how that transition happened. I didn't have any employment. I figured maybe he's doing, maybe he knows something. Let me try to see what he's doing. And then eventually after I started making some moves. He's, and I had no other job. There was no one hiring. Yeah. Um And he was like, "You should be around every day." And he started paying me two hundred dollars a week to mm-hmm. be his assistant. And that's how we got started.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you come to the point of discovering John Legend? Like, was that did you like see some sort of song or performance? Like, why did you want to sign him?
1: Well, when I visited Penn. <clears throat> So much of the story revolves around Pin, but we'll move away from that in mm-hmm. a second. But um, I remember I was in high school, met it was hundreds of people that were thinking about going to Penn. and I saw I was in this auditorium, and I saw a guy across the room, and this had never happened before. I was like, I don't know why, but me and this guy are connected for whatever reason. Me and him are going to be huh. connected, like in a in a in a serious way. So. Somehow we both end up going there freshman year. I'm introduced to the same kid and I'm like, oh, I hadn't met him before. I just saw him the previous year. And I was like, oh, that's the guy I was looking at. We ended up being part of the same circle of friends that were still friends to this day. And, uh, we ended up all of us being roommates, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. Some of us moved to New York together and John was one of those people. And so at school, um, you know, John was known as a great singer. It's like an acapella group and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was just super talented. And, and, and as we moved to New York and we perform at weddings and bars, I would be the DJ in this little wedding band, but, <laughs> uh, but he still, he <clears throat> was very clear. His voice was special and, uh, you know, he had gotten a job at BCG. He's very smart and he was very, uh, programmatic about growing his business. So even from teenage age, he would have mailing lists. This is before really real internet, but he would, he he was very organized and had a growth operation early. Um, So yeah, between, between his, the quality of his voice that he had a structure to growing his brand and specifically by the time I was working with Kanye and I'm telling him about my roommate, who's really talented Kanye is doing his soul music thing, and, but it's still, he's borrowing from samples. He's bringing in musicians here and there. It's like always needing to find someone or something to be a resource for his thing. I'm like, if you bring in my roommate, he'll just be always available resource. You can make, he'll make your samples. He'll play the piano. It'll sound just like it's in the seventies. And so, but also with what John was doing, John is super talented, but just not sexy and not cool. <clears throat> I think in four years of college, I don't think John kissed a girl, for example. And no, and no one cared. It wasn't a big deal. Just as, as I think back about that time, and then him becoming the sexiest man alive, according to People Magazine. It was like, wow, like anything is possible. But the bigger thing, I'm just like, this guy's super talented, but the music isn't cool. So we can bring in Kanye's cool factor. And then bring his consistent soul uh, and musical musicality to Kanye. I think it would be a win win situation, and so that's why uh, I put that together.
0: Mm-hmm. It seemed like it was it was about convenience, but did you like really think that John could that could propel him to you know a different place as well, and that his voice was just so unique, or was it just more like based on like kind of the convenience of it, like hey, this would be financially make more sense for you, and he's kind of in the same group. Let's put let's put it in together.
1: No, from day one, from day one, I wouldn't have gotten in, in music if I didn't know Kanye and know that he was an undervalued asset and, and known John and uh-huh. he was an undervalued asset and knowing that they both would uh, make each other more powerful.
0: Huh. Interesting so at what point did you decide to then shift into building out your own you know your own business that you were running kind of like as a sole individual
1: <clears throat> well i i helped kanye uh for a number of years get his personal music stuff going and eventually uh you know we started good music i signed john over there and and as it, as most producers do i started my own label at some point <clears throat> so, I started Champion Sound, uh label, a couple of years after this, and I signed uh, Riot in Paris. So, um, hmm. and, and it's like a rock rap group that people haven't heard of. And so, I was already starting my own company at that time. I had my own studio in Midtown Manhattan. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, yeah, I was already going down my own path. And then I wanted to. I wanted to reset my career. I knew I liked entrepreneurship. I know I liked uh, building things. It's not super important to me that it's in music. Music for a number of reasons at that time is not a good space financially to be in through technology shifts and whatnot. So. I actually went back to grad school and I got my MBA at Columbia and I was going to, um, I was going to go into private equity is the idea which again is another method of entrepreneurship where we're buying something, doing things to make it way more valuable and then selling it. And so that was the idea. And I had spent the previous 10 years or so in entrepreneurship in one way or another, whether that's from the VC side, starting an artist, starting a label um, and growing them. It's the same thing to me. And um, when I was in grad school, as I'm trying to get my label going, I made a music video for Riot in Paris, the band that was signed to me, and we made it interactive. Um, We, you know, put out a regular music video, put it on YouTube. People said the song sucked. It's called Attack of the Five Foot Hipster. You can still see it online. We literally shot it with an iPod, which is, I mean, people may not even know what that is <laughs> listening to this. But shout um, out with the iPod. People said the song sucked. <clears throat> it was a regular music video. The next week, we put out the same video for that same song, Attack of the Five Foot Hipster. But this one had a few buttons in it. You could choose what scene you would see next. We were using annotations at the time that was on YouTube. And then um, you'd see people saying, oh, this song is dope. This is going to be a hit. I love this song. And they watched it longer and they shared it more. And they started going to our page and buying the song. They were not buying the song the previous week. And so, and then <laughs> the company started reaching out to me saying, I remember Viacom reached out with Vivo saying, how do we, how do we get this sort of content in our platform? How do we make this? It took me nine months to make this, this thing. Um, we're just, we're just sort of hacking YouTube. So, um, so yeah, you know, I'll take a quick step back when I had worked for Kanye one of the first jobs I had, one of the main reasons he hired me besides making those connections was to burn CDs. Um, because at the time you had to use a CD burner, play a song, hit record and wait for the song to play and then hit pause when it was done. And then the CD would stop recording. Then you do it again for another track. And so I would burn CDs for all these artists who wanted Kanye music. If you were DMX working on an album, you probably wanted Kanye West beats. I'm the person that you contacted. Then I I have a thousand tracks. I picked the best for DMX and I put it on the CD. Um, so, and then then iTunes came out where you didn't need to do that one-to-one thing. You could just select all the songs you want, hit burn, it makes a CD. And then LimeWire came out and Napster came out. This is like a history lesson for the kids out there. You should look up these things. They were (laughs) really cutting edge at the time. MP3s came out, then you didn't even need CDs anymore. And I was just fascinated by these formats, these media formats over time. How are they changing? They're getting smaller, uh, they're getting more digital. um, They're getting to where um, they're more, uh, you can manipulate them. Send them to your friends. You couldn't do that earlier. Um, so I thought, oh, MP3s, this is the most advanced audio can get. And then now we have streaming. An MP3 is a dated concept really now. Um, so I just had this real obsession with like formats and media formats. And so when I made this video and all these people were coming to me saying, how do we do this? I realized am like, this is going to be is going to be a thing on the internet. Of course, our content will be in time more flexible and more dynamic, like every other thing on the internet. Uh, It just so happens video is a very heavy data rich format. So it'll take a minute before technically and creatively people can figure how to do it, but, but that's going to happen clearly. And the same sort of confidence that I had in like, this artist is going to be something with this and this they're going to be out of here it's the same thing with with media it is clear to me that how video existed 10 years ago would not be the permanent way video will live in the the, the future how will it change probably will be smaller files probably will be more dynamic based on relevant information for each viewer and so what does that look like and so i spent i I just started building some tools. I wasn't trying to start my own business, but I'm like, if I let me just get ahead of it, so I can be knowledgeable about this as the market goes more this way. Um, And then, you know, ten years later, here we are with some of the most advanced video technology in the uh, world.
0: So, so you build this out because you realize that there's a need for it. Um, How did you start to get customers? Was it just there was so much interest from that video that? you know, you had all these brands reaching out to you and how did you also kind of streamline, as you mentioned, it took nine months to go and build it and build the first video. How did you create, kind of create a platform that made this much simpler?
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> I started learning to code flash, uh, which is, doesn't even really exist anymore. Um, but started learning that and then, you know, talking to my friends, if I wanted to do this, how would, how would I do it? How would, would you do this Started to put myself in the tech community? but really as a, um, as a participant, as a junior participant, as a coder, really. And, um, and I, I literally was starting at the beginning and putting together little prototypes that are very trashy, but they, they kind of worked. And so I had my friends connect me with their own friends, uh, at first, like, Hey, can we try to do this for you? And we do it be a little clunky, but it would work in terms of people would watch longer. And there's a higher propensity for people to go say, yeah, let me learn more when they're already engaged. Same thing we saw with our music video. Um, and from there we just started, I put together a website and then, you know, I used a few, um, you know, a few few of the people we were working with as references, but it turns out there was enough people looking for these solutions that we started to get inbound customers from a crappy website. Um, so yeah, that's how we started doing things. And then um, I was doing that for probably two or three years and then was saying, let's raise some money. So I tried to go to venture capital. And you'd be surprised the companies that were, were coming to to us, us being like, yeah, me and my, my co-founder um, from Disney to uh, what, I'm Sundance TV. We had, we had a bunch of like, excited customers with no marketing, just some crappy technology. Um, and so anyways, I tried to raise money. That was a non-starter, being a black tech founder eight years ago, different than today. Today is hard, eight years ago was impossible. And being um, also being a rap producer. No VC fund had ever invested but most of them didn't invest in no one black. They definitely didn't invest in no rap rappers or uh hip-hop producers. And so that was a real challenge. But yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't start this like, yeah, I'm gonna start a company, we're gonna take over. I'll just like let me build build this and see if anyone will use it. And um okay, now I need some money to actually grow this properly. And it was almost accidental to, 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 to start with. Uh, that's how we got the, the ball rolling.
0: So I was reading this article, Devo, that your revenue in, from like early 2021 towards like the end of 2021, it increased 80 times. Like, what do you think was the biggest like result of that increase?
1: Uh, well, there's a, a number of things. Number one, we're starting pretty low. And, uh, and we started to build community. We started to, the thing that's interesting about our product is that, which is unlike 99% of products, every one of our customers and users, by definition, wants as many people as possible to know they're using our product. Mm. Uh, So whether you're one person sharing it to your three friends or your company sharing it to 10,000 other people. How do we start to, to take advantage of that to get other people to come into our ecosystem and become users? So over time, learning learning that and, and starting to get those mechanics together, that's how we started to get some real interesting uh, growth happening.
0: So you, I think I also read this as well, that you you kind of have this like uh, kind of expression where it's like, if you can talk to your TV, you can talk to your phone, why not talk to a video, right? And, like, why do you think that that's kind of the the next, like, logical extension there? Like, why not be able to talk to video, interact with video? And also, how do you think the video today, uh, how do you think the video in five years from now is going to compare to video today?
1: I think that's a great question. And that's what, I mean, that's what Adventure, what we're here to be the the solution for. Um, But, yeah, I think we love video. I mean, you and me are on video right now. And average american watches over five hours of video a day every company invests in video um every social media platform has turned into a video platform um the vast majority of internet traffic that's going around you right now is video like this is a video dominant society and we're only going to be increasingly that way so video is not just one thing it's it's the thing uh and you think about the future you probably will think less about you don't see books and text and lots of letters you see video you see moving images everywhere and so um if that's the case and video is so important why doesn't it have the same capabilities as your refrigerator or your uh this this thing that 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 you, you carry around we think it should and so um so that's sort of the sort of the thesis, and and even technically we could jump into how YouTube and Netflix make videos and and it's a lot more dynamic than you think. There's a lot of calculations and things happening in the background. That's why your video gets fuzzy, gets better, because it's responding to things. <clears throat> Our thesis is the next evolution of streaming. Right now it responds to your environment and your bandwidth. That's fine. That's a starting point. The next evolution is that it'll be responding to data. And so the video that you see will say, well, Ben likes this and he responds to this and he hates this. That I see, it says, well, Devo, he loves this and he turns it off if you show him this. So how can we, in the simplest way, the generative AI helps with this, modify the video content so that what Ben sees is the most engaging for him and what Devo sees is the most engaging for him. Um, That's where we see it going. And all we're doing at Adventure is making basically the rule set of, uh, where does the information about Ben come in? Okay. Then how does that affect the media? Boom. boom, boom. Okay. Boom. We're the rule system for how that should work. And, and including you being able to talk to it, which we have, we have a patent on is a pretty clear. You being able to talk to media and it talk back to you and say, Hey Ben, good morning. Do you want you know, pancakes or eggs today, we see that being pretty expected in the tra- trajectory, but it has to be designed somewhere. And so that's that's where, where we fit in into the brain and the um, creative, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, best practices around how this is made.
0: Do, like what? What do you think is a long-term goal for Adventure? Like you're helping people create th- these types of videos. Like, do you see that changing in terms of what the platform is?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, Adventure is a creative platform uh, used mainly by marketers, um, but we have plenty of entertainment folks and education folks as well. But um, it is used, yeah, quite often for interactive storytelling and, and marketing now. And where we need to, we help people create whatever they envision, help these companies. What we wanna do, what we are doing now is really pushing people to move beyond um, interact- interactivity and people interacting to more intelligent media. So that means connecting your video to your inventory system, to your shopping system, to um, people's browsing history, so that um that's where the well this is what ben likes this is what devo likes that's where it makes the videos more smart in in real time so we're trying to get beyond the clicking and more into smart connected media at scale
0: well i think that's all the questions that i had um look i appreciate you coming on you know the story of the stories that you have you know of, of Shaping this music world, what you did with good music and uh, John Legend, and giving you know, kind of helping two different artists come to the forefront. I think that's been so impactful. And your insight there was was ahead, of, you know, ahead of the times. And what you're doing here now with interactive video, Devo, I think it's important what you're doing, and it, and it creates a whole new dimension of uh, human expression and creativity. One that's really not out there yet, and also makes it more accessible to create for that. So I'm excited to see how your vision will continue to come to life. And I appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And, and if folks want to um, see more of what we're talking about, you can, you can check us out at adventure.ai, which is A-D-V-E-N-T-R dot You know, we've been recently called the, the Siri uh, of video, uh, but you can literally go play with videos. You can talk to videos on, on that site and you can sign up for free and make your own. Um, so you can, you can see firsthand what the future looks like there. Awesome.